you and I have enjoyed a tipple uh, for most of our adult life. And, oh. you know, we've also been exercise sloths for most of our adult life. And, you know, we wondered if there's hmm. a correlation between the two. <laughs> and it turns out there might be. podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Sarah. I'm a GP and I work in women's health. And I'm Gab. I'm an audio producer and journalist. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. How much alcohol do you drink? Are you a couple of glasses of wine at night kind of gal or strictly a weekend only drinker? Maybe you don't drink at all. When your doctor asks you how many standard drinks you have in a week, do you downgrade that number just a little bit? <laughs> well, just a quick, quick sneaky truth is that when I ask patients that question, I always give them an absurdly high number so that they're much more likely to give me the real answer. <laughs> what, do you mean, say, what do you mean what's absurdly high? Well, if you if you say like, do you drink, you know, like 10 or 12, 10 or 12 drinks a night? Ah, um, which I think you know every night. Maybe maybe we've done it before. Maybe we've done it in our youth. In our youth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, look, it it turns out that drinking alcohol may impact your exercise, and let's just say it doesn't enhance the experience for the better. <laughs> What are you talking about? There's, a, there's those you know, like wine and yoga sessions or like have, have a beer while you do yoga. And, you know, to be honest, mm. I've always gone, that sounds like a terrible idea. I'd I don't like want to keep my, those yeah. two activities <laughs> quite separate. I want to cross the streams. Yeah, I want no. those things separate. Uh, but before we get into uh, booze and exercise, um, how's things? Let's do a little, little exercise check-in. We haven't done one of these in a while. In. Yeah. Well, I did text you this morning to say that my uh, my – my smartwatch sent me a message saying, you've been less active than usual. And I was like, yeah, bugger off. It was 5.30 in the morning. Who's active? I know, although. After last week, I was just, uh, just track when I'm being good. Don't track when I'm not. Exactly. Give me just positive news only. It, it's so funny you say that because I also sent you a, a photo, a screenshot from my smartwatch, which at 3.30 in the morning when we were uh, mid-overnight breastfeed, <laughs> It sent me an update saying, well done, great start to the week. Let's keep it going. I don't know what it was tracking, <laughs> but apparently I was having a great start to my exercise week. Maybe it's tracking how many times you get your norks out. <laughs> In that case, I'm doing exceedingly You're well. off to an excellent start. <laughs> oh, no, look, when it comes to uh, when it comes to my exercise habit, it has been a little bit up and down and I'm okay with that. Um I say that. Uh, I'm that pretty sure we say that every week, but yeah. Exactly. No, the, the two-day rule that we chatted about a few weeks ago has actually been pretty helpful for me yeah, in yep. kind of re-establishing my habit when it has slipped. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm, I'm not just counting my habit as getting on the yoga mat, I'm being a little bit more flexible with what that means. So for me, if, you know, I've done 20 minutes with the axe splitting logs, or if I've, you know, just had to get stuck into some housework for a period of time and really that's all that I've done that day except for sit at my desk and work that I'm counting that as my never skip never skip twice day or never skip twice rule my two day rule um so yeah that has helped look we're probably a little way off from being at my fittest but yeah it's it's okay ups and downs well yeah i mean your watch is already <laughs> keeping track of that mate <laughs> just letting you know Thanks. Shaming Thanks so you. Much. 
<laughs> what about you? Oh, uh, just sorry, just just before I uh, let you know what oh, I'm yeah. doing. Um, the fact that like you literally just said if I include like 20 minutes of splitting logs with the axe as yeah. my exercise, I'm like, how our lives have my changed. My things <laughs> have changed <laughs> since this time last year. Oh, exactly, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, which leads really nicely into how I'm going. So I had my first swim back at Bondi Icebergs this week. I do the winter swimming um, challenge, which is basically every winter you rock up um, for at least three Sundays of the month um, and you swim You swim a lap, you, you swim against other people in a race, but you're effectively swimming against your own time, mm. um, not, not really others. Uh, and you do that over a period of, um, you know, several years you do a certain amount of swims and then you become a lifetime member that's the kind of thing that i'm aiming for it's thanks to covid thanks to life it's going to take me probably like 50 years it's been a few years since you've been able to consistently do your season there hasn't it well i couldn't do it last year at all basically because i was pregnant for the entire time and we weren't really sure if freezing cold water would (laughs) would be safe Mm. how cold what what are the water temps there in in winter i don't actually know i mean i know that Outside, I think it's sitting around 16, 15, 16 degrees. Um, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I know that outside generally it's anywhere between, you know, uh, it's a bit warmer by the coast. So sometimes, you know, like a, a cold day would be sort of eight degrees. But usually by the time you get in the water, sometime around 10, 10.30, um, you know, the, the sun is, if the sun is out actually, the sun is out, you kind of, you've, you've warmed up a little bit. It's actually kind of nice. It's still bracing, but it's um, it's not what I would call like, you know, winter swimming if we lived in like the Northern Hemisphere, yeah. for example. Very different. <laughs> Very Nor- different. It, this is not Nordic swimming. <laughs> correct, correct. Mm. But I did my first swim back and, oh, my goodness, I didn't think I'd feel great. Like I knew it was going to be difficult, but I wasn't expecting to be so unbelievably weak and so slow. I practically fell in when, when it was my time to go. Sorry, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at you. I just flop, I'm like laugh, I'm, laughing with you. <laughs> I'm a swimmer. I know how to dive into a pool. For some reason, I just like <laughs> flopped in. I got water up my nose. I swam oh, no. about 10 seconds slower than I did, you know, this time last year before I was pregnant. Um, and yeah, it just made me realize, it made me stop and think. Um, I mean, A, before I dived into the water, or flopped in, um, I was standing on the side of the pool you know, beautiful sunny day, um, you know, ready to kind of get back into this challenge. And I did sort of say to myself mentally, just take it easy. You've just had a baby. You've also had no sleep for several months now. Um, it's a huge achievement that you're even standing here Absolutely. Right now. And so I did, I, I promise you, I did have that moment. Good, 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 good. <laughs> which, which felt good because then I was like, whatever happens, happens. It turns out you get water up your nose and you swim very slow. <laughs> But I did, I guess it just made me stop and realise how weak I feel at the moment and really creaky, you know, like when I go to stand up holding the baby, I can, almost like I can feel my knees going as I, as I stand up. And it sort of shocked me a little bit because, you know, even at my most unfit, I've always had pretty good strength and I could always kind of fall back on that to be able to do most physical activities, but that's not a thing anymore. And I've mentioned in the last few um, weeks, you know, there have been times when I've gone to stand up with the baby from like a lunge position. And even if I'm hideously unfit, I've always been able to at least do that, but I can't even do that. And so I guess it's it's been a real eye opener for me, this experience. And, and you know, because I'm a researcher and a big old nerd, I, I wanted to actually have a look into this to see whether it's, you know, just me being useless or if it's actually a thing um, for, you know, postpartum I'm going to jump women. right in there and, and suggest that it's actually a thing and it that is. it's not you being useless, but I don't want to be, <laughs> spoiler alert. 
In order to, I mean, yeah, you're bang on on the money there. Basically, I, I found this study which which said that um, uh, pregnancy and breastfeeding causes reversible bone loss, which initially is most pronounced at the trabecular sites, but also involves cortical sites during prolonged breastfeeding. So, huzzah! Uh, trabecular meaning like the long bones, like really, mm-hmm. yeah, cool, like yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think of a long bone. The, the leg one? Yeah, femur, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily, it does say reversible bone loss. Yes. But isn't that interesting? And when you, I guess you match that with then months of sleep deprivation, it's a real kick to the energy and strength levels. Um, so, yeah, I guess for me, it looks like, you know, weight training is going to be very much in my future to kind of get that back because we know that weight training does increase or help increase bone density and clearly – I'm I'm actually feeling that at the moment and it's a very strange it's a very strange feeling. Yeah, well, I mean you're in a you're in a completely different body than mm, you were the last time like, that yeah. you jumped the last time that you jumped in those icy cold waters <laughs> of Bondi. Um and and so I'm so pleased that you you know practiced a little bit of, you know, self-compassion and kindness before you jumped in. Um because you you just, you know, it's a different you are you are doing this race in a completely different vehicle than, than you had previously, which is not to say that you won't. Like I think, if anything, you've got perfect opportunity for each week to see whether it gets a little bit easier for each month to see if it gets a little bit easier. And at the end of the day, you're not doing this because you are training to be an Olympic cold water swimmer. You are doing this to be, you know, part of a really awesome community, um, a bit of a challenge, an excuse to get to the beach, which you might not otherwise make or find the time in your very busy life. So there's so many other things that we get out of, you know, these strange and wonderful attempts at physical activity than than just the ability to swim fast. Yeah. So yeah, but it's yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a road back. I, I like that terminology though. That um, or that analogy that it's, I'm swimming a completely different vehicle. It feels like this one's had a few, <laughs> a few pranks <laughs> in the last twelve months. She has <laughs> the, the, the chassis there, but uh, <laughs> we've replaced a few of the parts, and uh, and some of them are just not functioning. But they will, you know. They take, will take it to the mechanics, and they will. I think it's right. just bloody marvellous that you're doing it. I'm your biggest cheerleader when it comes to what is, you know, truthfully something I would never sign up for because I'm just cold water. It's not my friend. Oh, because you're not a lunatic like me. I will say though, once you're in, oh, that feeling, it's very bracing. I love it. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Something I'm not doing very much of at the moment is drinking alcohol because I am breastfeeding. Uh, and yeah, we, we kind of wanted to have a bit of a chat about the impacts of alcohol, the, the relationship, I guess, between alcohol and exercise, because, you know, you and I have enjoyed a tipple uh, for most of our adult life. And, you know, we've also been exercise sloths for most of our adult life. And, you know, we wondered if there's a correlation between the two. <laughs> It turns out there might be. Uh, But I wanted to have a quick look before we kind of jump into um, some of the ways that drinking alcohol can impact us physically. Uh, I wanted to have a look at some of the stats around alcohol consumption. Um, This is obviously in Australia. We're in Australia. um, So it makes sense for us to look at these stats. But if you're listening from anywhere else in the world, obviously you can have a look at um, at your own country statistics. For, For us in Australia, drinking is is a big part of our kind of social oh, it's, culture. It, it's a cultural norm, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had like prime ministers 
cheered on for being able to scull a beer at the cricket. Like it's that level. Um, According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, in general, alcohol is consumed at levels of low immediate risk, immediate risk. However, some people may drink at levels that increase their risk of developing health problems over the course of their life, as well as increasing their risk of alcohol-related injury. One in four Australians aged 18 years and over exceeded the Australian Adult Alcohol Guideline in 2020-2021. This includes those who either consumed more than 10 drinks in the last week and or consumed five or more drinks on any day, at least monthly in the last 12 months, so 12 Mm. occasions per year. Um, Interestingly, women were more likely than men to not exceed the guideline, which is positive for us. Uh, Not surprising, though. Um, According to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, which is a government uh, entity, Australia was above the OECD average for litres per capita of alcohol available for consumption by people aged 15 and over. So our litres per capita of alcohol available is at 9.5 compared with 8.4 litres per capita in in the rest of the OECD for 2021. Isn't that crazy? We're like almost a full litre. We're over a litre more than everyone else. (laughs) God. Um, The proportion of people aged 14 and over, sorry, 14 and older exceeding lifetime risk guidelines declined from 21% in 2001 to 16.8% in 2019, but it hasn't changed that much since. And of people aged 14 and over, males are far more likely than females to drink at risky levels. About one in four males and one in 10 females exceeded the lifetime risk guidelines. So, I mean, there is positive news in that, uh, you know, excessive drinking is declining, Mm. but we're still at really high levels compared to other OECD countries. Uh, And also, I mean, if you've followed the latest Four Corners report from the ABC, it turns out we might just be shifting from alcohol to cocaine uh, at alarming levels. Yep. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I was just about to say that, you know, I think that certainly in my contact with younger patients, I feel as though, you know, patients who are maybe in their 20s now as opposed to, you know, me in my 40s, there does seem to be a bit of a shift in the mentality towards alcohol consumption. It doesn't seem as though it's absolutely what everybody does every Friday night like it was when I was in my 20s. Yes. Um, yes. So perhaps we are. And and I just thought that that was overall a fairly positive thing, but maybe. We might just be moving towards hard drugs. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I mean, every generation's got their thing. It's all like with us and how like, uh, you know, the smoking campaigns for when we were um, in school was was very different from generations before us. And I guess, Mm. yeah, maybe, maybe the information about excessive alcohol drinking is is getting through, which is awesome. Um, but we're still, as a country, at you know much higher rates. We still love it as we a country. Feel, we feel, still love a tipple. Uh, so, Sarah, I guess, what are some of the ways that drinking alcohol can affect us when we exercise? Because, of course, this is an exercise podcast. Well, it's, is it an exercise podcast? I don't know. It's a podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. And, and occasionally we say the word exercise. So... <laughs> and occasionally probably, we do it. <laughs> indeed. Uh, look, I think one of the big things for us to recognise is the impact of alcohol and dehydration. So alcohol interferes with the mechanisms that regulate the water levels in our body. One of the hormones made by the posterior pituitary gland in your brain is called vasopressin or antidiuretic hormone. Diuresis is really just an elaborate word for peeing, uh, for urination. (laughs) 
and vasopressin or, or ADH have a critical role in making sure that we maintain a healthy fluid balance in our bodies. Right. Alcohol reduces how much ADH you make. So it increases how much urine you produce. And I think anybody who's had a big night out yes. recognizes that moment when the seal is broken the and they just can't. Kind of <laughs> they just, you know, uh, going to the toilet more and more often to pee and your, your wee looks really, really dilute. It looks really clear. That's because each standard unit of alcohol that you consume forces your kidneys to generate about an extra 120 mils of urine on top of the normal 60 to 80 mils of urine that that most people will produce per hour. So we will pee a lot more when we're drinking. And whilst drinking more water to help compensate for that is certainly a good idea and people often talk about alternating, you know, a glass of water in between your alcoholic drinks to help to to compensate for that increased increased diuresis. Um you'll still only hang on to about half or a third of that extra water that you drink. So most of it will still go out in your urine and you'll still end up dehydrated at the end of a night of drinking. So if you think that particularly if you're about to embark on a moderate to high intensity workout, which has enormous shifts in our in our fluid status, and you're going to sweat out more fluid and potentially become dehydrated, add into that, you know, working out on a hot day. And uh, and that dehydration can become that much worse. Mm. So you really ultimately you don't want to start a workout dehydrated because of the risk of developing some dehydration during your workout to begin mm. with. Mm. So yeah, look, I think that's one of the one of the the big issues is how alcohol really contributes to dehydration. And if you then want to do other dehydrating activities on top of that, you're potentially going to really run into strife. That's amazing because I know people, uh, no names, but I know people who have <laughs> tried to run out a hangover, as in like sweat out a hangover, which mm. <laughs> is... Now you tell now you tell us this is the dumbest thing you could possibly oh, it do. Just, and you know, potentially if you're thinking then about, you know, possible electrolyte abnormalities that could occur, if you have, you know, if you have potentially, you know, an underlying cardiac condition and are at risk of things like arrhythmias, then you know, doing a moderately intense workout when you're dehydrated is just a, it's a recipe for trouble. Very silly. Uh, this next one that you're going to talk about is something that we talk about quite a bit on this yes. podcast in terms of uh, sugar and sugar levels in the blood. Absolutely. Look, often alcoholic beverages in themselves have quite a high carbohydrate content. So particularly if we're thinking things like cocktails or yes. you know, beer, wine, cider, these are these are generally pretty high carb beverages and uh, and that's never going to never going to help because it's uh, it's going to give you a you know a big load of of a high glycemic index um liquid straight to your straight to your guts which is going to you know result in increased glucose levels and subsequently increased insulin levels in response to that. But we see that alcohol in and of itself changes how the pancreas functions and leads to an increase in insulin production. Even if you are drinking, you know, pure vodka wow. without high carbohydrates in it, alcohol in itself can increase insulin production, whilst also inhibiting the liver's normal ability to release sugar into into the blood system. And you're going to need that glucose to burn during a workout. And of course, in some folks, this spike in insulin can also cause subsequent drops in blood sugar or episodes of hypoglycemia. 
And it's been suggested that the hyperglycemic effect of alcohol is among the factors that may decrease endurance performance. So if you're about to head off on a 5K run... You may not make it. <laughs> look, it's just going... If you do, it's going to be harder. Mm. And uh, and this becomes even more problematic for people with insulin resistance or with type 2 diabetes, as these dramatic shifts can have long-term impact on their overall glycemic control, particularly if they are one to potentially hit the bottle a little bit more often. Mm. So again, your workouts are going to feel so much harder than usual. And it may well be impacting on your health long-term. That's so interesting because obviously we know how exercise can help regulate um, your insulin sensitivity, you mm-hmm. know, for, for up to, you know, I think it was something like half an hour of exercise can help you regulate it for something like, you know, 24 hours or something. It's yeah. pretty pretty yeah. impactful. Um, don't drink alcohol then because it's really just undoing all that good work that you might exactly. be. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, if you're like me and it's not easy to get the motivation up to put the sand shoes on in the first place to go out for a walk or a run, then it's, you know, this is where I think, you know, my the other big ticket item is motivation. Yes. Yeah. Harder to quantify, you know, scientifically, I guess, you know, like like you can with muscle fatigue or dehydration mm. or, you know, insulin or sugar spikes. Uh, but motivation is a big one. Absolutely. If you're an exercise sloth, getting the motivation to exercise is hard enough. And when you are feeling a bit dusty after a night on the booze, you are going to be less inclined to be physically active. You've probably got a headache. You've probably got dry mouth. Maybe you've got a bit of reflux. And uh, and no doubt if you've, you know, if you've had a big night the night before, you're going to have had an absolutely rotten night's sleep. And, uh, and, then maybe you actually just really want to spend the day in bed, a bit of Netflix, some fast food, get a pizza delivered. None of this is kind of setting you up to be the sort of person that exercises regularly. Mm. And uh, and I think if you've been really diligent with your exercise habit, it can be a real blow mentally. And uh, and I know, I, I think I've spoken about this on the on the potty before. Right back when you and I first kind of set up our exercise habit back in 2020, 2020, 2020, yeah, 2020, yeah. 2020, the, 2020, yeah. the year of the pandemic, the year of the, yes, the, that crazy, <laughs> like yesterday and foggy, 10 years strange, ago, yeah. dreamlike time, <laughs> um, nightmare like time. Um, but I had been so, so vigilant, I'd been so diligent with my daily morning yoga sesh, and I'd done it, you know, I had not skipped a day. I think I'd done 30 days in a row. It was my 30th day and they'd finally eased up the, uh, they'd finally eased up the, the uh, restrictions about having people over to your house. Mm-hmm. And this was obviously pre-pregnancy for you. Yes. Um, but you and your lovely husband came over to our house and we, we all shared, got on it. <laughs> we, shared, we shared red Many. wine and champagne and all sorts of, all sorts of good stuff. Um, and definitely next, exceeding those 10, 10 drinks or whatever possibly, it was, five, five in one go. Yeah. Oh, definitely. More. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the next morning I was still determined because I was like, don't, 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 don't break, break the streak. Yet. Don't break the street streak. Um, but the next morning, I, I, I did. I, I mentally got to the mat, but it felt like my legs were made of concrete. That my head was just, you know, it was blinding headache. I felt so. Whenever I went into kind of an, an inverted position, like a downward dog, was like, uh, uh, I think it's, it's, it's coming. It's going to come up. <laughs> and uh, and eventually, I had to pull the plug halfway. 
Good. I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I did. I have a feeling I went back to it like later that day, but um but it's just look, it's it's going to be that much harder and if you are really trying to invest in that that belief that you could be the sort of person that does some physical activity every day, you know, you you're buying into that change in identity. Um if you're hungover and then, you know, you get yourself a double quarter pounder and and heaven forbid, you know, fix your hangover with another cider. Yeah. It's it it becomes just that much more difficult to to stick with those good habits. And ultimately, you know, we're not exercising because we want to look fantastic in a swimsuit. We're not exercising necessarily to lose weight unless, you know, weight is has consequent health problems for us. You know, we're trying to exercise for all of those beautiful, beneficial aspects to our health. We're exercising to, you know, reduce our risk of diabetes, reduce our risk of cardiovascular disease, increase our bone density. And alcohol is basically just doing the opposite of all of those things. So I'm going to be the very last person that sits here and now <laughs> gives a lecture on, uh, on you know, being abstaining, a <laughs> abstaining from alcohol completely or being a teetotaler. I've done my, I've done my dry July's enough times. Um, <laughs> Your but- liver is nicknamed Churchill. <laughs> We will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them in the trenches. Um, but, you know, it just just try and remember why it is that you're doing this in the first place. And uh, and if you are going to if you're going to have a drink, by all means, you know, have a drink. Try and keep the number of units of alcohol to a minimum. Try and make sure that you're drinking enough water at the same time. Maybe try and factor in a rest day after a night that you're going to be at a celebration or having more than, you know, one or two units of alcohol. Um, but, yeah, alcohol's not doing you any favours at the end of the day if you are trying to set up a regular exercise habit. I guess, and also the other thing I wanted to, the other point I wanted to make about, um, about you know, when you do have a big night out, you know, big celebration or just a, you know, big night with friends, as we all do because, God, you know, life. Um mm-hmm. I guess in the past, I know that I've I've been the one to wake up on the Sunday morning and feel so bad and so guilty for overindulging that I've used that as the day to start exercising because that makes total sense, doesn't it? You know? Well, yeah, sure, absolutely. So dehydrated, you feel dehydrated. So your muscles are heavy and aching, and you, just... you went through Macca's drive-through on the cab on the way home. <laughs> oh my god! That's the day that you should definitely, you know, with all of that great fuel in your body, start exercising. Start and an exercise be, habit, and that'll be the day that you, you know, if you make that decision and go, yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've been terrible. I've overindulged. That'll be the day that you, you know, you take yourself for your first run, and it feels ten Awful. times worse. <laughs> than it normally would and and then you just you're like oh yeah this exercise stuff's for the you know for the birds i don't want to do this it's awful well yes it's going to be more awful when you're hungover so just give yourself that day off get yourself some hydrolyte eat some eat some salty foods Mm. and uh, and and try and start gradually maybe the day after (laughs) on a different day The 
the Women Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri, and background noises are provided by my four-month-old baby. (laughs) (laughs) Almost as good as the music by Hamish Camilleri. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. I'm Gab. And I'm Sarah. And if you've ever had a crack migraine, you'll want to listen to next week's episode. We'll look at how exercise might be a way to help prevent those shocking buggers in the first place. Yes. You and I get really bad migraines, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I've suffered with terrible migraines since my 20s. And uh, yeah, I suppose from alcohol to crushing <laughs> headaches. <laughs> the perfect segue. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And you are the perfect woman to host with. Oh, stop. Oh, you are. See? All right, my love. Well, um, I'm not going to go and have a glass of wine because I'm breastfeeding. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'll, um, I mean, to be honest, if I did, I'd probably just, it would just hit me so quickly after a year of no booze. I'm starting work at 6am in the morning, so (laughs) I'll probably give it a miss as well. You you don't want to rage it? Go on a 5k run before you start? (laughs) You know me so well. (laughs) All right. I love you. Have a wonderful week. Love you too. Bye. Bye.